Hello, bienvenue and welcome to Oblivious Book Review, the podcast where we speak about our recent readings and a lot of other things. Today, your hosts are Sander and Elio. And today we are going to speak about A 50-Year Silence, Love, War and a Ruined House in France by Miranda Richmond Mignot. Hello, everybody. Hello, Ilio. How are you, Sender? I'm doing pretty good. I, uh, oh, well, I had to recover a little bit from a little uh, cold. I'm still a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, my voice is still a little bit, how you say, uh, affected by it, but it's uh, much better now, luckily. It's fine. You still have your deep, sexy oh, voice. Oy, oy. <laughs> Don't get uh, too excited. So I just want to start by... Um, apologizing to some of our most um, regular listeners because there was no episode directly last uh, Sunday. And this was because there was a big event Oof. in uh, Sanders' life. Yeah, I uh, I decided to move back to my home country. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yep, that's why I was actually very busy to uh, trying to settle down again in my, uh, actually the city where I kind of uh, studied before. And... Uh, Yeah, and so we left Sweden and uh, I'm back in the Netherlands again. <laughs> so it's... Uh, I will miss you, Sender. Well, luckily we have Skype <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we have this podcast going on. So we still see each other regularly, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, and that's a good way to do it. Yeah, and also, yeah, it has been... Nice. No, no, you say strange, but a little bit. Uh, it has been like three, three years almost being away from uh, my home country. So it's always, uh, yeah. If you come back to a certain place, you have a lot of memories popping up again. So uh, and meeting people you have seen or talked for a while anymore. So mm. you know, a lot of impressions again. Yeah, yeah, it never happened in my life. Actually, I go back to. Uh, Where I was before, to the place I was mm. before, like would, like the eagle would say. Mm. But uh, was this a very good introduction to the book you are going to speak about today? Well, no. <laughs> 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 no, I... Uh, Never mind. Well, I mean, it could be a little bit related to it because this book is about uh, uh, so to, to people who have to yeah, move around as well and uh, trying to yeah 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 try to resettle somewhere like i'm trying to do in my life but <laughs> but the, the <laughs> setting is totally different and uh, because mine mine my situation is pretty peaceful and their their situation was related to the second world war so it's a little bit more and uh, uh, they were more forced to uh, flee and try to find a new place to live And uh, yeah, it was a long time you haven't told us about war. No, some, you some, had some, a few books about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, somehow I try to. Uh, somehow I think it's, those books are very interesting to me, at least. Uh, and the book uh, <laughs> actually is called uh, 50 Years of Silence. And the undertitle is called. Come on, you've just been three years in Sweden, yeah, not yeah. 50 years. Like, don't you, you make it sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this. Uh, And the under uh, title is called Love, War and a Ruined House in France by Miranda Richmond Mulliot. That's a very catchy title. Yeah. <laughs> Love, War. 
but I will have to t let you say a bit about the books because yeah. right now we just know it's about war yeah. and about the most beautiful country in the world. Yeah, so France, uh, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. us more. Yeah. No, actually, yeah, this yeah. this book, in short, uh, I actually don't know why, what the reason was I picked this out, but I think it's I got this book from an other book who had a reference to it. So I put it on my reading list and I started reading one day this book. And uh, the book is mostly about the, the author. Uh, her name is Miranda. And uh, she, um, yeah, it's about her, uh, the history of her family and most more, uh, especially about her grandparents. And uh, it's kind of a memoir, but uh, it's, an, yeah, it reads like a novel. So uh, she tries to, find out or discover the details of her grandparents past and she tries to uh -huh. find the truth of the relationship between her grandparents because yeah, they, yeah they, her grandparents fell in love and during their study study time and they married and but somehow they divorced under very mysterious reasons and she tries to find out what is actually this reason why of the why they divorced and separate from each other because her grandparents did not spoke or see each other uh, after the divorce for 50 years. And she likes to understand what is the reason of it. 50 years? Yeah, 50 years. That's why it's a title. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Love, war. And why yeah. didn't see each other for, why didn't they see each other for 50 years? Uh, that's the, that's the, the, what she likes to get a better understanding of. And, uh, uh, of course, her both grandparents in during the time period when she started writing this book still lived. So she tries to talk with them and recollect memories and go through documents and archives along the way and tries to compile this story, what ended up in this book, what she wrote down. When she's asking them and making her inquiry, are they together? Uh, what do you mean together? Their grandparents. The the grandparents are there together. No. When she's trying to. No 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 no, no no no. So actually, uh, then I take a leap forward. But uh, in the book is that uh, the grandparents divorced after the shortly after the Second World War, and her grandma actually it's, <laughs> it's called. Uh, it was fun during the war, but not much more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, her grandma was called Anna, and her grandpa was Armand. And um, they were actually, they were both, yeah, there's a Jewish family, actually. So um, uh, uh, after the war, they, uh, they divorced. And did her grandma, Anna, she decided to um, go to America and try to live there. And she was a uh, physician, uh, a psychiatrist. Uh, and she started working in somewhere in New York. And start to build up her life there. And she took her, yeah. Uh, um, by that time, they had also two kids, like her, her mom of Miranda, and uh, they had also like a son. So she took uh, the kids with her to New to America, and uh, her grandfather Armand stayed in yeah Europe. He actually settled down in Geneva, and he worked as a translator. And uh, actually, he has been doing a lot of translation work for the during the Nuremberg trial, where uh, the which is known for um, um, like that, uh, like trying to pr prosecute the um, the, the Nazi uh, 
per se, é Nazi crime. Nazi influence or Nazi Yeah, yeah, like the like the Göringen and all the Nazi officers who committed crimes against humanity. That was this kind of trial in Nuremberg for. That was actually mm-hmm. the first time in history this kind of uh, trial, tra- uh, Nuremberg trial happened. Uh, in Nuremberg trial? Uh, no, it's called Nuremberg. That's the place in uh, uh, Nuremberg. Yeah. For Nuremberg. No, 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 no. With your hands yeah, up, yeah. it was some kind of trial, <laughs> with, uh, some kind of uh, sci-fi helmet that no. uh, can tell no, when you're saying no, light no, or something. No, no. <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, so that's the short story of uh how did they separate from each other and since then because they lived so far away and they didn't want to see or speak it with each other and they, and that's why it caused a lot of uh struggles in the family and also that had an influence on uh, miranda as well when she grew up and she wanted to mm-hmm. um and one day she actually uh She meant, in a book she mentioned she dropped out her uh, from her uh, college and she she wanted to do something different and then she went back for a summer school or one year she went to a boarding school uh, in Geneva to visit her grandpa and that's how mm-hmm. everything started like finding out the history of her uh, family and he showed her or told her some little bit of stories what he did during the war and she wanted to know more about it so that's how everything started. Yeah, and I guess what she discovers is pretty much linked to the war. Yeah, a lot according yeah. to the book title. Yeah, exactly. Uh, war, love, and uh, a good old house in France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's actually the three main parts of the book. I would say love is, of course, the first part um, of the not of the book, but the first part of the story of the, her grandparents because they kind of found each other in. The, so actually, her grandma is born, was born in Romania. But she studied in Strasbourg and Armand as well. So they both are uh, not s- French, but uh, they studied in Strasbourg and mm-hmm. um, in the 30s. So that was just shortly before the, the war started, the Second World War. And I guess uh, when the war started in the, to France, like Germany occupied France, they were together and... B- And that kind of bound them to this moment, I would say. The the moment of war bounds people together at that moment because it's kind of a yeah, survival a, mode, you know? And It's a strong event yeah. uh, to go through together. Yeah. And this will, of course, bring the people closer together if, the, if they have to go through something yeah. tough together. Yeah. yeah, because they had to flee as well from Strasbourg. So they went to the southern part of France because the south part of France was still kind of free there was no germany uh not germany. <laughs> it's free <laughs> yeah and uh, uh but they found their way um um yeah they had to flee to the south of france and uh, but they had to survive so they were starting doing little jobs like picking uh grapes and trying to f- find food and and mm-hmm. and that's this took her for a while but it became the situation for them became very serious so they tried to find a way to escape from france uh, and, f- and eventually they got smuggled by a priest i think to a priest yeah to uh to uh, switzerland so they had to cross the, the border through the alps 
and um, I found a way in a refugee camp in Switzerland. That's uh, uh, but um, these events were kind of important for them because. Um, so what I understood is from the, these events of the war actually made them growing them apart as, as a couple um, because uh, they relate differently to those events in the war uh, on a different view. They have a different point of view on it. And uh, for example, the grandma sees this, uh, this everything that happened during the war with all the atrocities and all the difficulties. She sees it more as a miracle that she still is, uh, survived. And uh, it's more like a way how she, she called it like the university of life. So she's pretty positive about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And her grandpa became totally the opposite of it. He saw it more as an um, uh, monstrosity and uh, the the end of uh, having faith in life. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like um, that, he was not very lucky. So that he that that uh, mm-hmm. they were both very religious actually, and he believed that God was not uh, good to him. And actually, he became an atheist after that. After the, everything happened in the, during the war. And it's interesting yeah. while her, his wife so it's it's funny like just different point of view on yeah. the same event can really make you uh, have a different interpretation yeah. of it yeah and it's kind of funny how when I think by myself as about, about it as well if you how can it influence your way of behaving as well if you have this kind of mindset you know on certain events I know that a lot of uh, yes sorry no 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 a lot of um um people or teachings that try to give you happiness they tell you that you cannot change the thing that's happening around you only you can change the how you perceive the things that are happening to you mm. and so this might be one of the key to happiness to try to perceive things greatly uh in a happy way <laughs> depending if you want to be happy and i guess even you sender you've uh, met people that you wonder how they do you know you feel like they're always happy Hmm. Like they always see everything with a good eye and it can either grow on you or push you away thinking like, well, they're weird, mm. but some people can do it. That's what I meant. Mm. Yeah. And I remember. And also I remember uh, this uh, German girl that was uh, in the Sweden with us for some time. Yeah. She was always happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it being happy and positive is very nice and pleasant to have some, someone around you, right? <laughs> Yes, it's it is uh, for me at least. If you hang around with uh, people who are always uh, negative or very down, or it's very uh, energy consuming or somehow I don't know why, but uh, to 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 be um, uh, yeah in in contact with them. And, yeah, but yeah. it's probably because you want to cheer them up, and yeah. so you have to make efforts to do so, yeah. and it's a constant effort, and it's a bit tiring. You yeah. sometimes you don't want that. Yeah. But I always have kind of a trouble with uh, the fact that in our uh, West European society, the happiness is kind of the highest value, the highest thing. Mm. And of course, we all want to be happy. We want things that are good, good and yeah. happy, a world that are overused all the time. But, yeah. but I think it's interesting because um, by saying I, I'm happy, you most likely don't get happy. You know, uh, it's more about... I'm not sure. Yeah. But you cannot, for me, I think I, if you say like, uh, uh, yeah, I value value happiness as one of the most important things in my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
so I want to be happy. And then you have to realize, uh, ask yourself, okay, what makes me happy? Because uh, you cannot say I'm happy and then you feel happy. That's not the how it works for me at least. Uh, uh, some people that don't ask themselves questions can be very happy as well. If you look at children, they're yeah. genuinely happy. And I probably don't think about what makes me happy. <laughs> what are the things deep inside of me that correspond to my deontology, mm. to my way of living and the way I see the, the world? <laughs> no, but maybe it's for me, at least it is appreciating small things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. lots of people say that. And, you know, I personally have uh, sometimes trouble doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for what, for example? Um... I don't want to get too much in detail Ooh. of that. I think it's better getting uh, back to the book mm -hmm. and to the adventure of your main character, trying to see, understand what has happened in the past, making this uh, yeah inquiry mm -hmm. from uh, two different perspectives. Because as we were saying, you have the happy perspective from the grandma yep. and the unhappy perspective from the grandpa. Yeah, but that actually the, the negative point of view for the grandpa is, I think, uh, a lot affected by his work, what he was doing as a uh, translator during the, this Nuremberger trial in Germany, mm -hmm. because uh, what he had to do basically is um, uh, uh, that he had to translate all the contact, uh, co contact content that has been discussed during, <laughs> during the, the content, <laughs> all the content that has been discussed during this trial into from german to france for example because the judges uh in this trial uh were uh internationally appointed so they had they were french and english and uh maybe uh, uh russian uh, judges in this trial who to uh prosecute these uh you know, german uh politicians or people who committed uh, uh crimes against humanity and Uh, they needed therefore translated so that everyone could understand what uh, these people were telling to each other. So that's, mm -hmm. that was his job to do. And during that time period... It must be quite heavy things to translate. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff went about uh, the Holocaust, of course. Like, the, for example, like Auschwitz and how that went and how, how those people were in charge <laughs> of how uh, Auschwitz... Um, you said Auschwitz, but uh, I thought you say house witch. I was like, a witch in a house? Like, what's the link with the story? <laughs> but I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Kupp on uh, translating, yeah. he was translating things about yeah. the, the Nazi Germany. Yeah, and, uh, and during that time, uh, of course, uh, he was one of the first persons who got, because it was just shortly after the war, uh, this trial, and most people in Europe were still uh, coping with finding yeah, uh, their lives again, I would say, or finding... Uh, Europe was still in ruin, so uh, and he was still he was one of the first persons who got knowledge about what really happened during the Second World War, like how big this was, how many uh, mainly Jews have been sent to these concentration camps, mm -hmm. and and mo a lot of these words were, uh, of course, in a very special uh, a lot of yeah like Germans used a lot of special and technical expressions. Uh, in uh, relating to the life uh, in and about the concentration camps. So these words were purely... Did they use these uh, technical words to hide what they were doing from themselves or just to be clear, you think? Maybe both. I don't know. I think the how they process the people through those 
concentration camps were was never really shown in history on a that large scale and they therefore use certain type of um uh, terminology i would say uh, mm. which were only german and it was re- is really difficult to translate uh, you have to just if you have an, a german uh, terminology and then you have to come up with the word yourself in english and that you have to invent that word yourself as an in- yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't exist no that's interesting their size yeah so uh, so that was really really uh, tough for those for him at least uh, to cope with and also all those stories about i don't know like uh, how the people got murdered and slaughtered in uh, in those camps he had to deal tortured. with that and the yeah, torture and more importantly he Amand and Amand uh, had also his uh, his uh, parents and his other siblings were sent to those concentration camps and they has been, they had been gassed there as well. So for him it was of course very personally this uh, uh, whole uh, yeah job what he did. Yeah, it was not just traduction of uh, any kind of uh, manual for rice cooker. No, no, it's a very heavy topic uh, to do deal with and. Uh, I guess that made him very hard in his way of looking to yeah to life and uh, yeah. yeah. So and what about the grandma? What was she doing during the war? Or yeah, while he was being a translator yep. and uh, going through all of this uh, heavy heavy information. Yeah. What was the grandma doing? She well, um, in that time period, she was, re- I think, already in uh, in uh, United States, and she worked as a psychiatrist. She was psychiatrist at yeah. that time. Yeah, which could be kind of an heavy job as well yeah. when you think about it, being a psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, you have to deal with human emotions and behaviors and try to stabilize people. I guess I don't know what the psychiatrist does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's uh, walking the human mind is something uh, interestingly challenging, Oof. I would call it. Yeah, very challenging. To try to sound myself like a psychologist <laughs> or psychiatrist <laughs> in that case. But yeah, yeah. so tell me, Sandra, like you, are you telling me about uh, the story? You like to always go through some uh, history books? Yeah, 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 yeah. So far. <laughs> that, That's your readings, or at least the one you like to share with us. Yeah. And our, our beloved uh, listeners. Oh, just a small uh, parenthesis. I learned a new word uh, recently, and I know you you love to expand your vocabulary. Oh yeah. So um, I, you know, we, we can speak about an audience to speak about all the listeners, for example, of a TV show, mm. or radio show, or podcast. Mm. But I I learned that when you want to speak about all the readers of a, let's say a magazine or a book, uh, you can speak about the readership. Mm-hmm. Readership. And so for a podcast, you can also speak about uh, listener listenership. Listenership. Okay. So we can say our beloved listenership. listenership. <laughs> okay. That represents all the groups, the huge amount of all of our listeners. We love you all, <laughs> each of you. Hearts, hearts, kiss, kiss. <laughs> but yeah, speaking about love and liking, all these uh, very big uh, notions here in our society, as I always say. Um, why did you like that book? Why did you yeah. decide to speak about that book specifically? Well, I uh, was I was thinking myself about this question as well before, and mostly what I kind of <laughs> why do I like that yeah. book? <laughs> my my thought I have still have from this book is that um, 
the reason why I like this book is that it's a, a very small s- micro story about two people during the wartime. And we had before, uh, we discussed this book about the First World War in the episode before, which takes a mm-hmm. very big uh, global perspective on uh, on, the, on the war itself and the reasons of it. And, and then you have stories like, yeah, millions of people died, but then then you just think, uh, yeah, th- those millions of people who uh, died in the, this war is just a number. What does it really mean for an individual going through this time period? And uh, uh, this is what I like about... Are you referring to the Ravens when you say... Uh, uh, no, about, uh, about the book... Um, the Prisoner of Geography? No, the other one from the guy who discussed the First World War book on... Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I don't know. I forgot the title. <laughs> That's also why we do this podcast. is for us to have some memories about the book we read as we explain in the... Um, podcast origin episode um please listen to it if you want to know why we started this podcast yeah but yeah you were saying you are uh i like that's what the the main reason i like this book because it's just a very zoomed in version on uh, people's lives and what it really means to go through a time period of difficulty like a war uh period and what it takes to survive or what kind of struggles you go through and what it really uh, uh, how it influences a person's life so yeah for example for these two people they actually the war divided them i would say and uh, mm. yeah they grew apart from these events of the war they became totally two different per, uh, per, uh, persons and uh yeah that's it's a totally different story than you read about, yeah, in history books. Uh, yeah, what I mentioned, something... The human side of the world yeah, exactly. in the micro scale. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely something that I can see you being interested into. Yeah. Oh, I like... <laughs> it yeah. suits you, this kind of subject. Yeah, I like human stories. That's the same like with uh, the book uh, I was reading, bef- uh, talking before about uh, the North Korean defector stories. And... Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. I, for me personally, it's very interesting to see how people go through this type of uh, situations and what kind of emotions that pop up and how they try to deal with it. And uh, and everyone, in the end, a lot of people share the similar type of emotions or struggles, but this, the setting is just different. And Do you feel like this uh, reading about the story give you some insight and help you dealing with your own emotions during your daily life? Uh I guess sometimes it can be, yeah. Yeah. You think like, oh, uh, I forgot the name of the main character of your book, Marina. Uh, Marina, yes. Uh, Miranda. Marina. Miranda, she went through so much. Like, why should I complain when my train is late? Yeah. This is not the tough life. Like, kind of gives you some perspective regarding your own struggles. Yeah. Or you can relate to certain emotions which is also kind of nice to know that you're uh, not the only person to have struggling with the, the similar type of, <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, ideas or feelings. So that, that's kind of nice to know because usually we are very, well, at least in our society, we are very self-focused on the individual 
So you think that the problems yeah. you have is very unique and uh, nobody experienced <laughs> it before. But uh, mm-hmm. of course, uh, that's not the case. But that's yeah, because you, I think we don't really often talk about uh, these kind of emotions with people because it's really personal and it's often, yeah, it takes time to to discuss this kind of subjects. So if you have issues in your life or have certain type of um, uh, feelings you uh, try to deal with, that uh, yeah, you have to trust someone that you can talk with him or this person. Is this something you think you would like to change in our society? The fact that we can speak more easily about our emotions one way or the other. Yeah, that would be very nice. I think I think everyone would be, from my point of view, everyone will be a much better person if they uh, are able to articulate their feelings to someone not or something. I think also the impression what I get from... Uh, not the media but from certain movies or series what we watch Mm -hmm. that yeah we have to be strong and you have to pull it through and uh, you can manage on your own and be strong yeah you have to be well maybe if i put it on the masculine side of the male we have to be yeah uh, like alpha yeah we have to be a tough guy and uh we uh, should uh, yeah, work hard and play hard, you know, and then you make money and then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, I... But when do we get time to make podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not a model that suits us. <laughs> we want to read books and we want to learn about the emotions of others. And I think that's what you're picturing right now is very much the, the modern man that has to... Um, be aware of his emotions and uh, more, if not more gentle, more um, respectful, I would say. Yeah, respectful is very important, I think. <laughs> I was hearing another podcast recently. Um, a yeah. woman was mentioning that, the kind of modern man, and she was speaking about the, the condition of the woman and saying that uh, <laughs> she was a bit annoyed because now men really... M- a lot of men made the shift towards what was expected of them to be this modern man that is kind and think about themselves and everything. But she was complaining because she was saying like, in the end, we still have to do all the work at home. Like most of the tasks were on, are on us. But now we don't even have the, the strong pillar man to rely on because now they're wondering about their feeling and their thing. And she was really criticized, critical about it. <laughs> okay, and well, where is this lady from? Any perspective from... I'm sorry? Where, where is this lady from? She was from France, from Paris. Ah, okay, okay. Well, I, I, reason I, people love to complain anyway. Yeah, that's what pa- people in Paris do, right? <laughs> I guess they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's very much do. When you were speaking as well about why you love so much to um, listen to, to, sorry, listen, to read books about uh, people's emotion, it really made me think about this notion of catharsis. I don't know if you're familiar with it, no, but it was this, kind, this thing in the, um, the, Greek, uh, the Greek time when they were doing so much uh, theater. Mm. The catharsis is the fact that uh, if you see a situation happening or reflect about it, you get uh, confronted to a situation without having to leave it yourself. Mm. You can uh, get rid of the need to do this situation. For example, if you see a violent movie, let's say, 
and you see like the fight, it kind of like cleanse you from the need to do so. Mm. And then you will be able to uh, live your life cl more cleansed. Okay. In the Greek belief that you have some kind of a black substance in your belly and uh, the catharsis was getting rid of it through theater, for example, mm -hmm. seeing like all this murder and this betrayal in theater. That was a way to uh, make the people better human beings because since I lived through it uh, with the proxy of the the, the, the media they were sh seeing, mm. they didn't have to leave it themselves. Hmm. Hmm. So maybe for you it has some kind of catharsis effect no. to read these books about people emotions and going through uh, tough shit and then you don't have to go through tough shit yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh it's still nice to know that my life is still um, re uh, relative and much better in shape than uh, the people on uh, in the books i read but still i find it also inspiring mm -hmm. you know to uh, to read on it because it's very inspiring to see how these people go deal with it and even you know yeah even you know they went through very difficult situations they managed to get through it and somehow live with it and that is somehow kind of gives hope of your own situation of yeah if, that there is always a possibility to move on so move on yeah. i will manage yeah so that's why i continue these reading these kind of stories yeah mm -hmm. yeah as always, I love to have this podcast with you. It's very interesting. <laughs> and I think for today, you. it is time for us to move on. Yep. Because uh, I think we are the most the most important parts I've been discussing already. And, mm -hmm. and this was just a short book, actually. There was not really uh, much uh, heavy loaded to tell the, compared to the ones from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> you still love to have some pretty heavy loaded books. Yeah, true. Which I have and try to tamper with some more. Uh, uh, my last book was about hell, so I don't know how much I tampered. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay, thank you, Sandra. Yeah, no worries. Good to hear about it. Yeah, thank you. Very interesting as always. Yeah, I agree. And I. Um, I hope we can continue this, even yep. though you moved uh, to uh, back to your homeland. Yes. And I, I hear from you probably uh, next week. Yep. And for the listeners, we hope we, uh, we will be back soon again. And yep. see you soon, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>